What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Dave Prouty, the former general counsel of the Major League Baseball Players Association and a chief architect of the joint domestic violence policy negotiated by the league and the union, drops by to explain the operation of that policy and what that might mean for San Francisco Giants CEO Larry Bear. So stay right where you are, and we'll be back with a very informative discussion with Dave Prouty on Sports 360. I am joined today on Sports 360 by Dave Prouty. Dave is currently the general counsel of 32BJ, which is the Union of Property Service Employees in New York City. Uh, Prior to that position, Dave was uh, chief labor counsel and then general counsel to the Major League Baseball Players Association. And Dave also, during his time at the PA, was one of the chief architects of the joint domestic violence policy. And Dave is joining us today to walk us through that policy and to give us a greater understanding of it. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. And and I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us about the joint domestic violence policy that was negotiated a few years ago by the union and Major League Baseball. And unfortunately, Dave, the issue of domestic violence is back in the forefront again in baseball, but this time not because of the actions of a player, but of a club official. You know, a couple of days ago, we saw the videotape. Most of the world in the the world of sports saw the videotape of Larry Bear and his wife, the altercation um, between the two of them. And that matter is currently being investigated by Major League Baseball. And so, unfortunately, domestic violence is back on the front pages of baseball once again. And Dave, I thought it might be helpful in in light of that situation to have a, you know, a, a basic understanding of the operation of the joint policy that you were involved in negotiating, because uh, there may be some similarities that we may ex- expect to uh, see in the bear situation, or at least it should be taken in the bear situation. And, and this way, uh, I think the public can have a better idea of what's going on. So why don't we start just in, in terms of an overview, Dave, because the policy itself, the, the name of the policy is not just joint domestic violence policy, right? It's uh, right, sexual yeah. assault yeah. and child abuse. Um was there any particular reason to include, you know, to, to expand it out like that? Well, um, you know, when we were originally negotiating the policy, we recognized that there are uh, overlays between domestic violence and sexual assault and child abuse. And so uh, we thought we should cover the landscape and include specific definitions of each within it. And part of the idea, frankly, was that we were concerned at the players' union with making sure that players got uh, as much due process as they should, and certainly 
as much or more than was in the basic agreement to protect them when allegations of abuse or sexual assault or child abuse come up. And this was against the backdrop, if you if you remember, of of the uh, Ray Rice incident, which had just become public with that awful videotape. And so we we thought, and and to give MLB its due, they thought as well that uh, it it would make sense to get ahead of it and to negotiate a um, policy that would be collectively bargained and would address um, the spectrum of issues that are unfortunately of of great concern in our society right now. Right. And the and the joint policy um, uh, that you were front and center in helping to negotiate, uh, that covers just major league players, correct? That's correct, yeah. It does not cover either minor league players or officials of uh, uh, clubs or officials of the commissioner's office. Now, we made it clear right from the outset, and if you look at the very end of the policy, it, it states that both the union and uh, Major League Baseball and the clubs commit to negotiating, to implementing policies which will be of uh, similar scope to the policy that covers the players. And we were pretty adamant about that, that we didn't want this to be uh, a policy where players were just singled out. So um, I I know that the the Players Association has adopted its own internal policy, and uh, I was informed that both the commissioner's office and the clubs have adopted um, a policy that's of um, similar scope and severity. Frankly, that was also important. Right. And I'm glad you, you, you clarify that day because there has been this weekend some reporting that the domestic violence policy covers club officials, too. And if 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 that's read on its face, it seems to suggest that the same policy that covers players covers club officials. And that's not exactly true. Right. What you're saying is that there was. Yeah. Right, that there's a part of the players' policy that says comparable policies will be instituted by the clubs and by the union. So it's it's right. not as if they club officials fall under the players' policy. No, they don't fall under that policy. Um, but the assurance that we got was that the policy would be of um, sufficient um, severity and scope. Um, it's basically the idea was to cover the entire universe of uh, people involved in in the the sport of baseball. But you're absolutely right. Um, Larry Bear, per se, is not covered under the joint domestic violence policy that we negotiated. So it says it's comparable in terms of scope and discipline. Mm -hmm. And um, just just jumping ahead one step, you know, what that means to me is that whatever happens to Mr. Bear, he should be treated the same as uh, other people who are covered by other other policies. So one would expect that if, in fact, discipline was going to be imposed, um, you know, every every situation is unique. But there's certainly been some some uh, examples that are out there already of of uh, players who've been disciplined. Sure. Now, Dave, in terms of just understanding the basics a little bit. Um, Domestic violence. Who can be victims of domestic violence under the policy? Is it simply significant others, spouses and, you know, girlfriends and boyfriends? Or is it broader than that and includes children and and even others? 
Well, you've got to um, kind of break it down, Jeff, a little bit. Um, the idea of domestic violence itself is, um, by definition, someone with whom you're in an intimate relationship. So domestic violence, I'm separating it from child abuse, um, mm-hmm. is, is someone who, with whom you have an intimate relationship. Now, um, interestingly here, um, going back to Mr. Bear's situation, um, one thing that baseball was insistent on was that um, if you look in the world of domestic violence policies and definitions, they generally talk about a pattern of behavior. And so we included that language, but there is an exception um, that says that a single instance of um, a, an alleged act of domestic violence is covered by the policy. But the idea is that it's someone who you're intimately involved with. And, and then there's a separate definition of what constitutes sexual assault, and then a third uh, definition of what constitutes child abuse. Got it. Okay. And so, Dave, um, mm-hmm. can you take us a little bit through the process, you know, if there's an allegation or evidence, you know, like here we, you know, we see videotape. Right. If there's some allegation or some evidence of abuse, what are the steps under the joint policy? Can you take us through that uh, a little bit? Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try and you cut me off if I'm going into too much detail. But um, what happens is the whole thing is triggered by um, the commissioner's office becoming aware of, aware of what's called a covered incident, that is a covered act, that is something that might fall under the policy under one of the definitions. And Generally, that's happened because there's some uh, news report out there, although um, it can happen other ways and, and has. Commissioner's office will notify the union. Um, the commissioner has the option then of, of placing a player, in this instance, on, um, on administrative leave while they investigate the incident. Um, and administrative leave means that a player can't participate in games, but he continues to accrue salary and uh, seniority. That's initially for seven days. Um, it's challengeable by the player if he thinks there's, that this is you know, made up or, or not appropriate. And during that, the time of the administrative leave, the commissioner's office conducts an investigation, which can include interviewing uh, player, the player or the alleged, the accused player, if they'll cooperate, sometimes the player's uh, partner, and then other other witnesses if, if there uh, happen to have been any. The other thing that can happen is that the, play, the Major League Baseball investigators will try, if such a thing exists, to get a hold of uh, any uh, criminal investigation or any other law enforcement or governmental investigation and try to get the notes, et cetera. Um, there's all kinds of um, obstacles for them doing that in terms of privacy and presumption of innocence and, um, you know, other other legal reasons. But in general, that's what they will try to do. Um, the idea then, just going to the next step, is that they conclude their investigation. There's a uh, meeting with the union representing the player where the the findings are laid out and the player has a chance to to respond. Um, after that, if it's still deemed that it's something that should be a matter for discipline, the commissioner would impose discipline, which can take the form of uh, either a fine or a suspension for a certain number of games or both. Um, the player then has the right to uh, use the basic agreement to 
challenge the discipline of any level uh, under the just cause standard, which applies to uh, all discipline imposed on players. And what that means is that the player has a chance to argue to a neutral arbitrator that there was not just cause for the discipline that was imposed. And that can mean either that the penalty was too severe or that the player should not have been disciplined at all. Um, let me just interject at this point before I forget, Jeff, because this is extremely important, was important to to us when we were negotiating it, is that there's a therapeutic element to the domestic violence program as well, and that is that right at the beginning of the process, uh, the player, uh, and they don't have any choice about this, uh, is subject to being evaluated by a um, a, a specialist in domestic violence. It's usually a professional psychologist who's, who works in this area. Um, and that's a totally confidential interview. And it's this totally, completely separate track from the disciplinary investigation I was just discussing. Um, the psychologist evaluates the player and makes a recommendation as to whether or not the player needs counseling or treatment uh, or education or whatever, and then that psychologist or psychiatrist would uh, present the findings to a panel, which includes representatives of the union and the uh, and Major League Baseball. Um, and the panel would then agree on some form of treatment, and that treatment takes place along the same track, meaning the same time frame, as whatever uh, discipline, if any, is um, uh, meted out by the commissioner and then subject to the arbitration process. And the idea here was that we didn't want to just have this be a form of punishment. Everything we learned from talking to um, domestic violence professionals, and we talked to many, many, many as we were developing this policy, and when I mean we, when I say me, we, I mean both uh, people from the union and people from Major League Baseball. So we really interviewed the kind of leading thinkers and um, practitioners in this area. And uh, one of the things that they consistently told us was you've got to treat the individual. You can't just punish them. And you've also got to make treatment available and therapy available for uh, the victim uh, and other services that will help the victim uh, to recover if, in fact, something has happened. Let me... I've been talking for a long time. So well, let's just I, say this. I mean, and I'll just say this <laughs> at, at this point, but, but there's a lot of information there, Dave, and, and a lot of helpful information. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's a couple mm -hmm. of takeaways. One, that there is significant due process embedded in, in the program, right? Um, which right. you would expect given the seriousness of any allegations of domestic violence and and then any discipline that may be imposed. I mean, you you, you do want to have some some real strong um, due process elements there, and it seems like there's a lot of uh, due process here. And then the second takeaway I, I got from your comments, and you really were expounding on it here at the end, was this is not just about discipline, right? This is about intervention. This is about treatment. This is about education, ongoing support, and so on. Um, right so that you know we don't see future acts of domestic violence if if in <laughs> fact that was something that that uh had occurred in a particular instance and so i think that's an important takeaway right that this is not simply you know lay the hammer down and discipline someone 
whether it's a player or a club official, but it's more to it than that. This is about trying to, um, you know, provide treatment and provide other means of support. That's right. No, that, that's, and that was very important to, to everyone involved, really, uh, when we negotiated this policy. And if, if, if you think about the, all the layers of this which occur, especially with players being so, so much in the public eye, um, one of the things we were concerned about was that the victims of domestic violence don't always, in any situation, feel free to come forward and to press their case. And there, there's and there's also some real questions about what's an effective means of treatment. Um, you've got counseling, you've got discipline, you've got fining, but um, remember that the 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 family is still being supported by the player, and so it's not necessarily the most therapeutic way to go about changing things to have the player all of a sudden be uh, both without a job for some period of time. And also without a paycheck, um, because that can just add to the stress of the situation rather than take away from it. Sure. So, you know, what we tried to do, um, you know, and I guess, you know, history will judge us, but um, is provide a, a more comprehensive solution that looked to actually uh, improving the overall situation, not just kind of punishing a player. Right. And again, I just want to stress that you're describing the joint um domestic violence policy that applies to players. And That's all right. we know is that there are comparable or a comparable program uh, or policy in place at the, at the major league level. Um, but we don't necessarily know the details of it. And, and one of the details, Dave, mm-hmm. you, you could, you mentioned about the player's right to appeal to a neutral arbitrator. That's an important right. element right in labor relations right for an employer or an employee generally to have the right to uh, have any discipline heard by an arbitrator um again without knowing the specifics of uh, any club or major league program that applies to club officials what would you imagine is the appeal process like who would be do you think is an arbitrator or a commissioner's designee Oh, I think the latter. Um, uh, if you look at all the um, other kind of relevant situations where discipline can be imposed, and the one, one I'm thinking of specifically is the minor league drug policy. Um, minor leaguers, as you know, unfortunately aren't covered by a collective bargaining agreement. And so the policy there basically involves uh, whatever test is given, whatever results there are, and then uh, a hearing if you want to call it that, in front of the commissioner or his designee, um, and that's it. That's all you get if you don't have a union agreement backing you up. So I imagine, although, as I said, I haven't seen it, that uh, the policy that's in place for um, club officials uh, and for MLB itself uh, has to end with a decision by the commissioner, either directly or through through his, his designee. Um, right. I should just add, Jeff. One other one other thing you should know is that, um, uh, and I, I'd have to go back and look at the policy, but there is certainly a practice throughout baseball, and this goes for the the union staff, for the players, uh, uh, for uh, minor league players, and for club officials and MLB staff, that uh, there will be some kind of training on the issue of domestic violence and sexual assault and child abuse once a year. So uh, officials of clubs, and I 
presume that includes Mr. Bay or will have had to go through at this point uh, several years of uh, at least one education session. Right. And then, you know, uh, one of the other elements um, in situations where there is discipline in the player policy, there is a provision that talks about or that deals with public disclosure of that discipline. Right. And right. Um, and so, again, assuming that there's a comparable policy in place for major league officials, one would expect that if there was uh, to be discipline handed out in this situation, that it would be publicly disclosed. No. Well, I think that's right. Um, I don't. As I said, I haven't seen the, the specific policy, so I don't know whether it calls for public disclosure. Um, one could make arguments about whether lower level staff at clubs or at uh, at MLB sure. uh, are necessarily su- subject to it. But I would think that uh, here with someone as prominent as, as uh, the CEO of the San Francisco Giants, that baseball would understand that um, the same as players have to answer to the public that someone someone like Mr. Bear would as well. Either right. way, I don't want to, you know, uh, That's right. assume that he's guilty of anything. He's entitled to due process too. That's right. That's right. And 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 we, you know, we we, we make no judgment or statement uh, regarding that. But the one thing, I, and I would like to end here, Dave, is with this. I would have to imagine with what has happened on the player side, where we have seen players disciplined from as little as fifteen games to a hundred games to as many as a hundred games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because again, this is serious. The, the, these are serious. Um, this is a serious problem in our society and sports is not immune. And so it is taken, it is really taken very seriously. And I think part of that Dave has been the, you know, the fallout from how the NFL initially handled the Ray Rice situation. There's no league that wants to be in that situation ever again. And so, you know, these issues and and any altercations or any incidents are taken very seriously. And there has been some pretty significant discipline handed out to some very prominent players. I would have to think that players, therefore, are looking very closely at how this is going to be handled. This incident with Larry Bear, a very prominent baseball official, um, because in the end, the discipline is being meted out by the same commissioner of baseball. I think you're absolutely right. I think players would be looking at it uh, very carefully and and doing their own comparison, as will uh, baseball fans. Um, One thing I should point out, I guess, Jeff, and I'll be a little hyper-technical as a lawyer here, is um, we have not yet seen a case involving a player which has gone all the way through – uh, the arbitration process and where an arbitrator has actually ruled on um, the level of discipline imposed by the commissioner. What we've had so far is um, many incidences, on incidents, unfortunately, where uh, players have been disciplined and they've been um, disciplined as a result of a settlement which was entered into between the union and Major League Baseball that um, meant that the player uh, gave up essentially his right to appeal in return for um, a a stated uh, suspension of a specific amount and often um, a financial penalty as well. So uh, if we were to have another case of uh, domestic violence 
um, that went to arbitration, um, there would technically not be any precedent that the union could rely on to say, well, uh, his incident, his particular incident wasn't as bad as uh, player X who, who settled before, um, and so it should be placed at this level along the spectrum. Now, that's a legal argument. Um, I think everybody knows in the world of public opinion and, and what's out there uh, already publicly that everyone is going to try in the real world, and Commissioner Manfred knows this too, to place this alleged incident somewhere along the spectrum of incidents that have already been settled uh, with players. So sure. um, I, th I think you're right, but I just wanted to point out that kind of technicality. Right. Well, um, Dave, this has been really helpful, and I appreciate you stopping by and um, explaining to us the operation of the joint policy, uh, because it does uh, provide some insight into uh, perhaps what may go on in this particular situation with Larry Bear. So thanks for taking some time, Dave. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome, Jeff. It was uh, very interesting for me, too. All right. Thank you. Dave Prouty provided valuable insight into the workings of MLB's domestic violence policy for players that offers some clues regarding how MLB will handle or may handle the physical altercation between San Francisco Giants CEO Larry Bear and his wife, which was captured on videotape. Players, the sports world, and all who care about curbing the scourge of domestic violence will be watching this case closely, and so will we. As there are new developments in this case, you can be sure to hear all about them right here on Sports 360. Until then, take care, and we'll see you next time.